10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwald, and thank you so very much for deciding to join me once again. I tell you guys all the time that time is the most precious commodity that we have on this earth, and it is, and so thank you very much for another 30 to 40 minutes of yours. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Right off the bat, um, I need to address something that is on my mind and has been weighing heavily on my mind the last couple of days. For those of you that have listened to the show for any length of time, you're familiar with Clay Moore. Clay was my first guest on the show. He was the first person to send me a piece to be read on the show. He's been very involved from the very beginning. He um, helped me to found the Treehouse of Liberty Times, the website that we have where we do uh, written news stories. And over and above that, Clay has become one of those people that is an extremely important friend of mine in a very short period of time. It was about two years ago that um, I noticed I had been interacting with him fairly frequently on a friend's page, and I thought, you know, this seems like a pretty good guy. Let me send him a friend request and see what happens, and it was one of the best decisions that I've made in certainly a, a very long time. Um, the guy has been somebody that I could count on no matter what I was doing, no matter what I asked him for, um, no matter what I needed at any given time. He's the first person to step up and to always be there. I, I can't say enough good things about this man. You know, he's just a wonderful friend, a wonderful human being, an incredible grandfather who is constantly posting pictures of his adorable grandkids on Facebook. And he's, uh, rightfully very proud of them. Um, you know, Clay is a former United States Army MP. He is somebody that cares about this country in a way that I can't even begin to describe. You know, I think I care about the United States. This guy is just so far above and beyond me that it's actually difficult to put it into words. Um, speaking of difficult, Yesterday, um, Clay posted on his Facebook page that he has been diagnosed with kidney cancer and that it has begun to spread. Um, he's going to be undergoing chemotherapy and some other treatments um, to, to battle the disease. And I, I tell you, there are very few things on this earth I hate more than cancer. Um, and I'm certainly not alone in that. We've all been touched by it in some way. I was, you know, right-hand man when my mother went through her uh, breast cancer treatment after being diagnosed stage four. And just to see the toll that treatment takes on the body of somebody who is, you know, as strong and as resilient as my mother is, really put into perspective for me how difficult this fight can be. Um, regardless of the difficulty factor, um, I, I have the utmost faith in Clay. He is an incredibly devout man. Um, He's a not only a practicing Christian, but he's one of those people that demonstrates in his life his faith by the way he treats people and the way he interacts with people. So many people say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm this faith or I'm that faith. And, 
you know, kind of put themselves on a pedestal a little bit and then turn around and don't live their lives that way. Clay is the furthest thing from that, you know. Um, he doesn't have to tell you about his faith because you see in the person that he is um, how he lives that. And so I know that with the love of his family and friends, with his faith in his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in our common God, um, you know, and I say that for all people on this planet, um, I know that I know that Clay's going to be okay. I really believe in my heart that this is just another challenge that he's going to have to overcome, and it'll be a challenge that he does overcome. It is with all respect that I ask you, friends, um, if you're the praying type, please offer up a prayer for Clay for strength and for healing. If you're not the praying type, please send him your good vibes, good mojo, you know, positive thoughts, whatever it is. However, you can send him uh, your energy for peace and, and healing and uh, strength as he continues or actually gets started in this battle. And we know that it's one that he's going to continue and ultimately that he's going to win. Um, Clay is the type of person that we need in this country so desperately right now. Somebody who believes in our founding ideals. Somebody who has respect for our constitution, for our flag, for our traditions, for our way of life. You know, those now seemingly old school values that most of us used to have. He is um, a, a brilliant speaker. He's a brilliant writer. He's someone who is able to express those things very clearly and very concisely in a way that is relatable for, I think, the overwhelming majority of people. And I, I really think that we need his voice to continue to be there and continue to be strong. And like I said, I mean, if, if we can all be strong for him, you know, send him our, our positive energy and our, our best thoughts and prayers, you know, I, I believe that those things work. And so, you know, I have faith that he will be okay and that, um, you know, we'll hear him back on the show. And he's he's already writing on the Treehouse of Liberty Times site. You know, he hasn't missed a beat as far as that goes. Um, I think I'd be a little more selfish than that if I had just gotten a diagnosis like he did. Um, but that just goes to show you the quality of the human being and the quality of character that he has. And so please do keep him uh, in your thoughts and prayers. We are going to get into some other things tonight. Um, as Clay has done, we're going to continue to push forward. We're going to take a look at the things that are happening and the things that are important right now. And I know my friend well, and I know that's something that he would want us to do. And, you know, he um, he may end up getting a little upset with me about this uh, this intro. Um, <laughs> I posted something on the Treehouse of Liberty Times page today, and he said he saw it, and he said he just cried tears of joy and that he wasn't ashamed to admit it, and I'm, I'm glad that he did. Um, you know, I think that knowing that people care about you and that people are pulling for you and sending you their good energy and their best thoughts and prayers, you know, I, I think that stuff matters. So, Clay, that's enough. I'm not going to harp on you anymore. <laughs> but much love to you, brother. I hope that you will enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm looking forward to having you on very soon. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We got the important stuff out of the way. Now that we're, we're done with that, we're going to talk about uh, some of the BS is really unimportant, comparatively speaking. So 
sit back, relax. You know you don't even have to kick your shoes off before you put your feet up on the furniture here in the Treehouse of Liberty. Let's rock and roll. Those of us that care continue to learn more and more about what the Biden family is actually about. And the more I learn, the more disgusted I become. You know, it was bad enough when Joe Biden allowed, and yes, I do mean allowed, whenever somebody becomes mentally incapacitated and unable to fully take care of themselves, it falls to their spouse, to their guardian, to their power of attorney, whoever it is, to ensure that this person is not making a complete fool of themselves every time they open their mouth. You know, Joe Biden is not in a position to be in the public spotlight anymore. And it's unfortunate. You know, I've never agreed with his politics. I don't care for him a whole lot personally. But he has been a statesman of sorts. You know, he's served in Washington, D.C. for 47 years, which is probably a large part of his problem. Um, you know, and obviously he was vice president for eight years. He's got a He's got a record and he's got a legacy that I think he can be proud of and that people of his political persuasion, you know, to some extent can be proud of. Like I said, I don't agree with his politics. I, I don't think he's a particularly good person. I think he's a racist. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to see anybody put in the spotlight that doesn't have the faculties to be there anymore. You know, I've been forced to admit as the years have gone on and we've learned more about the Reagan administration that Nancy Reagan protected her Ronnie. You know, the last couple of years of his second term, he probably wasn't fit to serve. But she kept him out of the spotlight. She kept him out of situations that would have been embarrassing. And as a result, we hold Reagan in the highest regard, at least those of us on the right do. I think there's even some amount of healthy respect for him on the left. But had he been allowed to do the things that Joe Biden is doing right now, I think that's what we would have remembered. We would have remembered him fading. We would have remembered him mentally falling apart. And I think that would be very unfair to a man who was one of the greatest presidents in the history of this country. And I am very thankful that he had a wife who was compassionate and adored her husband. Um, and he adored her. I mean, I, I think in terms of relationships of couples that have been in the White House, theirs was by far the strongest. They truly, they truly adored each other and they looked out for each other. And at the end, when the president wasn't able to do that anymore... You know, his wife still took it upon herself to make sure that he wouldn't be put in a position to embarrass himself. I don't know what's in this for Joe Biden. Um, if I can look at Joe, just knowing him from a distance, seeing him on TV, hearing him on the radio, for the better part of the last 47 years, I'm 46 and probably started paying attention to politics when I was 11 or 12. But... For the majority of my life, I've paid attention to politics, and he's been a part of that. I've heard him speak very, very many times. I've heard him speak very coherently many times. I won't say eloquent with him because I don't think that's a, a word that really applies to him. 
I think, I think it's partially true and it's partially kind of fabricated. Joe tries to be folksy. He tries to be overly relatable. And so he's never been someone that was a true great orator in the sense that we think about someone like Ronald Reagan. Um, but if I can see his deterioration, certainly the person that knows him best on planet Earth can see it. And so what is in it for her? What's in it for her? And regardless of what it is, I can't imagine that it would be worth humiliating her husband on a daily basis so that she can get to whatever the end goal is. You know, Dr. Jill is a very intelligent woman. She's not a medical doctor, but she's a very intelligent woman. She's someone who is very perceptive. And again, you know, when you live with someone, when you know someone better than literally anyone else out of the 7 billion people on this planet, you know him better than anyone else knows him. If those of us watching from a distance can see that Joe Biden's not Joe Biden anymore, then certainly she can. And I think on some level, she has a responsibility to him to say, look, honey, you know, you've had a great career. You've accomplished a lot. You've served your country for almost half a decade or half a century. But it's time to go. You know, it's time to go home and relax and enjoy your retirement and, you know, watch the sunset over the beach or, you know, whatever the hell it is they want to do. But she refuses to do that. And so I think there is some payoff and uh, be, well, I won't be interested to find out what it is. I hope I don't have to find out what it is because that would mean that, that Joe Biden's won. And I think that would be absolutely tragic, to be perfectly honest with you. Especially when you look at the fact that we now have full confirmation that what we have believed about the Bidens in Ukraine and the Bidens in China is absolutely, unequivocally, unquestionably true. It's true. You know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry knows that. Every Adam, especially if his name's Schiff, will deny that until the day he dies. And I thought it was funny that Schiff came out and said, oh, this is typical Russian disinformation. Yeah, and the collective FBI and the collective CIA said, bullshit, what we have here actually happened. This is real. It's true. And this is Hunter's laptop, evidenced by the fact that his attorney called the repair shop trying to get his client's laptop back. You know, you don't do that if it's not real, if it's not true, and if you don't have anything to do with it. We've talked about many, many, many times, you know, the contract that Hunter had with Burisma, paying him between fifty and $83,000 a month when he knew nothing about Ukraine, he doesn't speak the language, and he's got no experience in the oil or gas industry. You tell me, folks, what was Ukraine paying for? They were paying for access to daddy. There's even a freaking a email on the laptop that says, hey, thank you for introducing me to your father, the vice president, from one of the high-ranking officials in Burisma. I mean, it's like we thought Clinton's pay-to-play -pay, pay was bad when they were selling, you know, a night in the Lincoln bedroom. 
that was nothing compared to this. And Ukraine so pales in comparison to China that it's insane. The Bank of China gave Hunter Biden $1.5 billion in cash and holdings. Let me say that again. $1.5 billion. The Bank of China. Oddly enough, run by the Chinese government. So now we have the Chinese government paying the Bidens $1.5 billion. How much do you think the Bidens owe China now? Yeah, $1.5 billion worth of favors. You want to talk about being bought and paid for by somebody. You know, they said from the get-go, from the time Donald Trump got in the race, that he was a puppet of Vladimir Putin's. That's been absolutely discredited, absolutely disproven. And President Trump has been the hardest president on the Russians since Ronald Reagan. So we know there's absolutely nothing going on there. Now we have proof that China basically owns one of our candidates for president of the United States. And nobody cares. The mainstream media certainly doesn't care. Facebook and Twitter removing the stories to protect Joe certainly don't care. How is this not a story? How is this not stopping the country dead in its tracks? How is everybody not questioning what in the hell happened here? How are even Democrats not saying, well, damn, Maybe it's not a great idea to run a guy who is bought and paid for by the Chinese government. Think about that. The Chinese could have a draft and have more people in their military than we have in the United States in total. And we could potentially, in a few short months, have a president of the United States that is completely and totally beholden to the Chinese Communist government. And no one cares. How is this not the top story on planet Earth? Why are American reporters not going to China to report on this? Oh, yeah, because you, you can't report the truth in China, much like the United States. <sighs> I mean, I'm just totally exasperated. Half of the country wanted to see a rightfully, a duly elected president of the United States removed for no reason whatsoever. And less than half the country cares about this. A lot of my conservative friends, well, I won't say my friends, a lot of conservatives aren't any better than the mainstream media. They don't take the time to find out what's happening. They don't care that the Bidens are bought and paid for by the Chinese. You know, this would be like during the Reagan administration, Mikhail Gorbachev paying Ron Reagan Jr. $1.5 billion. And us having emails that say, you know, you've got to give so much of a percentage of this to the big guy. And the big guy being Ronald Reagan. Are you comfortable with that? 
Are you okay with that? Would you have an issue with Ronald Reagan at the height of the Cold War being bought and paid for by the Russians? I think you probably would. And yet in this case, we just sit around and we do absolutely nothing. And our media doesn't care. Because the criminal, the sellout, and you could almost argue the traitor, has a D after his name. There is no way in hell any Republican could even think about getting away with something of this magnitude. And you know, it doesn't surprise me. Look at the modern Democrat Party. What do they stand for? They stand for authoritarianism. They stand for fascism. They stand for communism and socialism. They'd rather we be like China. I mean, they've already got their official state-run media here that's completely complicit and in their back pocket. Sorry for the interruption there, folks. But as I was saying, you know, what is it that Democrats want? You know, they want the authoritarianism. They want the socialism. They want to silence every dissenting voice there is, just like the Chinese communists. And think about it. You know, the reason Joe Biden won't answer the question about packing the Supreme Court is because he is going to pack the Supreme Court if he's elected. That's what Democrats do when they lose. They change the rules. And that's what he's going to do. And then he's going to add D.C. and Puerto Rico as states, giving them four more senators. And that will probably never change. Neither of those areas are ever going to become Republican strongholds, so they'll have an extra four senators forever. You know, And you look at, I'm going to call it their military. They're terrorists, but I'll call it their military. BLM, Antifa, the other leftist terrorists. Burning our cities down, looting our cities, murdering people, killing police officers, damn near execution style. And in some cases, it is execution style. Tearing statues down. And why? Because they don't want any dissenting voice. They can't handle any dis dissenting voice. They want to be completely authoritarian, and they don't want anyone challenging their rule. And in their case, it is rule, not governance. It is rule. They want to rule the United States like a king, like a dictator. You get that Supreme Court packed? You get the Senate and Democrat hands forever? You have the threat of violence every time somebody disagrees with somebody on the left? That's what you're going to have. And if you want to live under a monarchy or a dictatorship, then by all means, please go vote for Joe Biden. If you believe in the values that we hold dear, free speech, gun rights, a free press that hopefully someday will actually have some semblance of balance to it, holding our flag in high regard, respecting our Constitution and what's written there, 
by the way, that's why they hate him, Amy Coney Barrett, too, is because, you know, she is an originalist and translates the words as they're written on the page, not making it up and having an ideology like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. God rest her soul. But you want to talk about the biggest hack activist in the history of the United States Supreme Court? Look no further than that lady. Why do you think the kids adored her? Notorious RBG. You know, why do you think she was held up like a demigod by the left? She didn't interpret. She tried to write the law from the bench. That's not what's supposed to happen. Our Supreme Court justices get lifetime appointments because our founders didn't want them to have to worry about politics and getting elected. Now, unfortunately, that hasn't worked out the way it was supposed to. Because we all know there's conservative justices, there's liberal justices. And then there's John Roberts, who was appointed by a conservative and tries to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But it scares me to death that literally the plan for the American left is to take over and rule this country. That's not what we're about, folks. And I think it's funny, you know, I think every election that I've been alive for and witnessed, someone at some point has said, this is the most important election in our lifetime. This one is. This one is. You know, we've seen terrorism in our streets for most of this year. And as I've told you before, terrorism, the legal definition of terrorism, is using violence to affect political change. That's precisely what BLM, Antifa, and all of their associated groups have done. We haven't heard a single Democrat condemn any of it. Not once. We haven't heard a Democrat condemn the guy who shot two Los Angeles County sheriff's deputies, both in the face at point-blank range, trying to execute them. No, instead, we have Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who calls himself the Democrat Party. I'm going to play along. He's the Democrat Party. Everything he says is what every Democrat believes. He called police the enemy. He said if black people are thinking about voting for Trump, that they ain't black. He believes that black people should vote according to the pigmentation of their skin, not with their brains. If he even believes they have brains to work with. I do. You do. Conservatives do. We look at them as fellow Americans. We don't look at them as somebody that owes us anything like the Democrat Party does. The Democrat Party opposed the end of slavery. The Democrat Party filibustered the Civil Rights Act. Why in the hell would any black person vote for a Democrat? And you expect it? Like it's a gift that you deserve? Get the hell out of here. You know, the Democrat Party, as Joe Biden calls himself said that he didn't want black kids bused to the school of his kids 
because it would equate to his children having to grow up in a, quote, racial jungle. A racial jungle. Let Donald Trump say the word jungle at any point in his life in reference to black Americans. Let that happen. He'd be gone, and he should be, if he had said something like that. Biden has a D after his name. It doesn't matter. Making up the story about Corn Pop. You know, saying you can't go into a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts without a slight Indian accent. I think it's sad that it's sad that African Americans, that Hispanic Americans, that Asian Americans, that any person of minority descent in this country doesn't realize the truth because our media won't tell them the truth. Conservatives want you. We want you. Come join us. We know you can succeed on your own. We know that diversity makes everybody better. We know you don't need affirmative action. That's insulting you. You're just as good as I am. You're just as capable. And by damn, you have the same opportunity. Make of it what you will. We want you. <laughs> and not in the way that you know, we expect your vote because you're black. Are you kidding me? But that's where we are. You know, we have BLM and Antifa supporting a guy that thinks black people are stupid. I mean, he just does. And that being around them equates to being in a racial jungle. Joe Biden called Robert Byrd, senator from West Virginia, his friend and mentor. You think, okay, you know, if you don't know the story, yeah, all right, if a senator's your friend and mentor and, you know, a guy who is president pro tem of the Senate, okay, yeah, I can get down with that. Robert Byrd was a Ku Klux Klan grand cyclops. I don't know the rank structure in the KKK. I don't want to know anything about the KKK. But that sounds like somebody who wasn't just the average pillowcase head. And Joe Biden calls this member of the KKK, this grand cyclops, his friend and his mentor. And you know what? The things that Joe Biden has said over his political career have evidenced that he was mentored by a KKK grand cyclops. Racial jungle. You don't vote for me, you ain't black. Can't go into a 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts without a slight Indian accent. And on and on and on. Joe Biden is racist, period. End of story. If you are mentored and you call a Klansman a friend, and you speak the way Joe Biden does, you are a racist. There's no argument against. And it disgusts me that so many people will vote against their own interests. Yeah, I know, but that's just Joe being Joe. <laughs> 
Why is it that a Democrat gets to be just Joe being Joe? But you put an R after the name of the same person, and he's gone forever from politics. Again, rightfully so. It's not going to get better if he wins, folks. It is not going to get better if Joe Biden wins. It's going to get much, much worse. These things will become the norm. The media will go further left. State-run Democrat media. Terrorism will get worse. Because God forbid we buck up a little bit against authoritarian communists. It'll get worse. Supreme Court will be packed, so if we challenge anything, ah, hell with you. No, there's, there's nine of us now. There's only three of you guys. That's 12. There would be 13. But regardless, I mean, it's like this is the most important election of our lifetime, and it is not close. We stand to be the generation that loses this country. If Joe Biden wins, we are the generation that lost this country. I used to dream of, you know, when I leave this earth, if I could, you know, low crawl under the pearly gates and sneak in without heaven's guards detecting me, being able to speak to my grandfather again. You know, you guys have heard me talk about him a million times, first wave D-Day vet, absolute most wonderful human being ever to walk the face of the earth, best granddad I ever could ask for. If we lose this election, I don't want to see him. I know heaven's supposed to be that place where there's no anger and there's no sadness and there's no, you know, nothing negative. But I don't know how my soul could look into the eyes of his if we lose this election and lose this country. He put everything on the line. Charged across an open beach toward fortified machine gun positions, sitting on a mountain. High ground much? You know, and risked his life with a few hundred thousand of his closest friends to save the freaking planet. And I can't even save my country with a vote? We have to. It is not optional. We have got to win. And we have got to stave off all of the illegal challenges and all of the illegal attempts to overthrow a duly elected president again. The fight for our country is real. It's real. It's game on. You know, you believe in who we are. You love this country is founded. It's going to be time to put up or shut up. And I believe the people that listen to this show are put-uppers. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I have been, as always, your host, Jason Fornwald. Thank you so very much for joining me again. You know I love your commentary. I would love to have any of you on the show, especially if you disagree with me. I would love to hear from you. If you want the entire 30 minutes uninterrupted, I will give it to you. And happily so. As I tell you all the time, this isn't my show, this is our show, and it can only be our show if you participate. So the floor is open. All you have to do is let me know that you want it. 
You can do that by sending me an email at treehouseoflibertymedia at gmail.com, treehouseoflibertymedia at gmail.com. Also, the Treehouse of Liberty podcast Facebook page. I am on Twitter, Treehouse1776, at Treehouse1776. And please check out the Treehouse of Liberty Times. And like I said, Clay just posted something on the site today. I'm so excited. I'm going to go read it as soon as I get done here. Please do keep him in your thoughts and prayers. I will keep you in mine. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much. We'll talk soon. Take care.